who's seen the movie that so it's it's not a movie it's like i would classify it as like a, a bit of a thriller type movie so it's not one of those like modern horror movies where everyone's sort of getting eaten up by someone or like all those ones but it's a it's a thriller there are some bits in it that can sort of startle you anyway um i used it years and years ago um for in it um, in my church service on a Sunday morning and so I came home and it was before I had met Elizabeth and I after church I went that night I went oh I've got the movie I'd actually borrowed it out on, on um, went to a video store um, for those kids who don't know what that is um, yeah so Amelia's looking at me going what's a video store um, so it's where you went and borrowed DVDs and even VCRs or video cassettes so for some of those people that um, maybe not know what they are but I'd borrowed the, D, um, the, the DVD, I'm pretty sure it was the DVD, and so I decided, well, I've got it out, I might as well watch it again, I'd already seen it before, and so that night, by myself, I'm watching it in the house, and it was all fine, I, I was okay with it all the way through, and then there is a bit in the movie where um, Bruce Willis's character is listening to a recording of a counselling session he had, and as he's listening to it, it all goes silent, and then he hears a whispering that shouldn't have been there. And the thing is, while the whispering was happening on TV, there was a noise coming behind me. And I kind of just went, okay, I don't feel right right now. So the first thing I did, I went, I'm just going to turn the lights on just to make, because I was just watching the TV just in the dark and trying to save power, saving my power bill. And it sort of went, okay. And then I turned the video off to make sure, like, and I still heard the noise. And I was like, okay, that's a bit concerning. What is that noise? And, and so it, it, it freaked me out enough to go, do you know what? I can't watch any more of this movie right now. I'll wait till tomorrow morning when the sun's up. And what I found out, it was my screensaver on my computer coming on. And it was, I think it was like those fish that swam across your screen and just making enough noise at, at the right time to really bring about a little bit of fear in me. Um, it wasn't a, a fear based in any sort of sense of reality, like um, like it was. I wasn't sort of imagining that there was going to be ghosts, like they were on the on the movie that are coming behind me. But it it rattled me for for a moment, and I went, "Yep, I'm gonna I want to sleep tonight, and I'm gonna watch the movie in the morning." So um, so that's what I did. And fear is has got this one of the it, fear works in so many different ways. Like this past year, it's shown me a lot. I, again, it's been a real encouragement for me in looking over the past year because I saw people who were walking with God, who went, you know what? We've got to make changes for this year. We've got to be wise. We've got to be careful, but we don't need to be afraid. And I saw people that weren't walking with God, who fear was their first response. I knew of people that, um, like, because we've got nurses here and, I, and, and nurses who, who, who are walking with God and they know God and, again, so they, they've got that framework. And I knew other nurses who were ringing up relatives and putting fear into their lives saying, don't go out, don't look outside, don't do anything because you are in that target zone. It's going to get worse next week. It's going to be worse the week after. And so all of a sudden I knew all these elderly people who were just petrified because of the information they got and the fear of other people. Like even one of my brothers basically said to my parents, don't go anywhere because you are vulnerable. And my parents are going, hey, we're not going to be silly, but at the same time we know God's got our lives in control. And, and if, if, if it's my turn to go, there's nothing that I can do that, that can change God's days for my life. There's nothing I can do about that. 
And so it's, it was strange to, to see what was encouraging, um, to see the Christian response to that, knowing that God was in control. But fear can lead to so many different things, and it doesn't have to be just coronavirus. It can be so many other things that fear can sort of, it can lead to inaction because we're afraid of trying something new. We're afraid of applying for a job. We're afraid of, of quitting a job. We're afraid of, 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 of retiring. We're afraid of, of getting into a new place or leaving a town that we've been in all, all the time. Fear can also lead to a wrong action. Because all of a sudden you see all your friends doing something and go, I'm going to do that too because I don't want to look different. I'm afraid of looking different. I'm afraid of being unique and so I want to fit in even though I don't like doing that. That's what peer pressure is. It's a, it's a fear of, of not being able to be alongside your peers. We want to be the same as everyone else. We're afraid of being different. There's a word called FOMO that's come out in, in over, it's probably more than 10 years ago, but it basically says fear of missing out. And so a lot of people will try stuff because they don't want to miss out on stuff. And so all of a sudden, we actually, and it's, 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 it's not a big fear, but it's a fear for some people in a, in a way that all of a sudden a new iPhone's coming out. And so what do they do? We're going to line up for two days outside a building so we don't miss out on this brand new piece of technology. It's FOMO. It's fear of missing out. I want to be, be, have the latest and greatest because that will define who I am. And so fear, it has um, a lot of impact in our life. We can worry about tomorrow, which causes stress for today. And we can worry about so many different things. We can worry about what the weather's going to do. We can worry about what's going to happen here. We, and and I'm, not, I'm not exempt from this. There are things that I can worry about that I have no control over whatsoever. And all of a sudden, like you can build stress into your life. And then we can fear all the what-ifs. I don't know about you, but this year there is a big what-if hanging over it. What if it all happens again? What if it gets worse in, in Australia again? What if the virus changes? What if, what if we never get to travel overseas again? What if we never get to go into another state again? What if we can never have a full church again? What if, what if, what if? What if my workplace never picks up again? What if uh, my, my life never changes? What if I never get better from this illness that I'm carrying? And all of a sudden that fear of the possible, possible thing that goes wrong can actually imprison us. But see, fear is something that the Bible has an awful lot to say about. In fact, the, the command fear not appears in one form or another 365 times from Genesis to Revelations. That means there is one reference to that that you could use every single day of the year. It may be in the same verse. You might be reading one verse a few times. It's specifically given to dozens of different individuals and or groups in a variety of circumstances. It's abundantly clear that God doesn't want his people to fear in the face of adversity or decision. And to put it another way, we've been given a different fear not um, exhortation for every single day of the year. With such a clear daily prescription from the creator of the universe, why do we so often respond in fear? What can we do about this and is there a better way? Paul's encouragement to Timothy uh, in uh, verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. If fear doesn't come from God, then where does it come from? And I thought that, 
I thought that the beginning of wisdom starts with fear of the Lord. So what does that mean and what's the difference? One important difference to recognize is that there is both a healthy and an unhealthy fear in life. Understanding the difference could save your life and will definitely help you interpret God's daily encouragement to fear not. So let's just begin by talking about healthy fear. Um, I've seen this before when I, I, when I was in grade 7, so that was back in 1989, so you can work out how old I am from that if, you, if you're good at maths. It's a lot of numbers for some of you on holidays. But back in 1989, our family travelled up into the Northern Territory, and as you get a bit far up in the Northern Territory, all of a sudden you start seeing signs near waterways everywhere, don't go in here, there could be crocs. Um, now, do you think that's a healthy fear or unhealthy fear? It's a healthy fear because they're saying crocs actually are, um, I think what they set up at the Daintree in September was that they are ambush predators. They actually hide until they find something that is silly enough to be in the water near where they are. The guy from the Daintree said, if you get taken by a croc, you have done something wrong. And so there are times to have a, a healthy fear of that. Well, this year when we were driving up to um, um, Cairns, we, we drove through Cardwell. And now, I don't know if you've been to Cardwell, but you're driving to Cardwell and it is a beautiful beach. It is a beautiful beach as you're driving in there and you go, wow. And Elizabeth and I said, we'll have to stop here on the way back and, and just spend a bit of time here. And so on the way back, we, we stopped and we let the kids have some morning tea, play in the playground. I took some photos of the beach and I happened to go into their information centre. Inside their information centre, they had this huge model of this, um, this crocodile. And I sort of said, oh, this was a crocodile. Originally was on Green Island, had been taken over to America and so it died a few years ago, but it's, it, it's in the top 10 largest crocs in captivity. So it was a big croc. And so as I was talking about this croc with this lady, she said, oh, we have a croc like this here locally. I said, serious? Yeah, it hangs around the jetty. And as I looked outside, you mean that jetty just there? They said, yeah, there was, there was a local doctor that had his dog taken by it as they were walking along the beach. And, and the thing is, it's not the first large croc that they've had in the area. There had been a, a croc previously that was shot by someone they don't know who, and so it got taken away, and another large croc came and replaced it. So this beautiful beach that looks so inviting has signs up everywhere. Do not swim here. And their sign is a little bit different. There have been crocs seen in this area. Now, again, do you think that is a healthy fear to go, do you know what? Even though this water looks inviting, I'm still going over. I'm going to still go over and swim. No, it it would be foolishness to do that. So that's a good, healthy fear to have. Healthy fear can heighten and sharpen your senses, which in many situations is a great benefit. Um, There are ample evidence that a a person's internal fight or flight mechanism is simply a natural response to situations that you'll find yourself in. So if you're in America and you run into a, a bear with some cubs, the natural response is to run faster than everyone else that you're with. Okay, that's a natural response. Um, they say you actually meant to stand still and all this other stuff. I don't know if my legs will let me do that. Um, I think it'd look at me and I'd either pass out or I'd run really fast. Um, now, whether you call it fear or maybe it's just common sense, that is a healthy fear um, and can be a beneficial thing to recognise. It's also important to note that as followers of Christ, a healthy fear of God is not only beneficial, it's biblical. 
Let's have a look at a few verses to frame this idea. In Proverbs 1, 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Um, the Hebrew word here also means reverence, which is important when we consider a healthy posture towards the Lord. It is good and right to hold him in a place of awe and reverence. And as a creator and sustainer of the entire cosmos, he is the rightful owner of this uniquely divine place. To ascribe him something less is a theological misstep that none of us want to make. Now, again, this is where we kind of got to balance up God. God is close to us. He is our friend. He is our redeemer. He is um, he's, he's intimate with us. But he is also this great God that when you watch people who entered his presence, they often responded in a way that they bowed down their heads saying, I am not worthy to be here. We see Moses, we see Isaiah, we see Ezekiel. As they entered the presence of God, their response was reverence. It was a holy fear that they had. We see in Psalm 5-7, David says, But by your great love, can um, but by, by your great love, but I by your great love can come into your house in reverence. I bow down toward your holy temple. And then again in Proverbs nine ten, Solomon adds that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. David had a healthy fear of the Lord throughout his life, and Solomon, for most of his life, knew the fear of the Lord was the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. Divine reverence brings godly understanding, which is an amazing gift. Now, godly fear and reverence are fundamentally about acknowledging the proper place of God uh, as the divine creator. As we move now from a healthy fear to unhealthy fear, make note that its proper place is in the hands of the same almighty God. So when we have a healthy fear of God, we actually give him reverence and respect and awe. When we have unhealthy fear in our life, again, the right place for that is in God's hands. When there is something that is crippling us, imprisoning us, it is, it is good to give that to God. So let's have a, take, have a look at unhealthy fear. See, as I said, unhealthy fear can paralyze and stagnate you, and this is not God's heart for you. As Paul explains in 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not give us a spirit of fear. That's really clear. God did not do that, but this is what he did, but a spirit of power, of love, and a self-discipline. Our ability to overcome fear comes from God and it comes out of our relationship with God. The journey of our relationship doesn't just happen. It will go through times of blessing, but it also happens through times of difficulty, trial, times of worry, and times in which we are scared, but we are called to persevere. And we see that in James 1, 2 to 4, where he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. I don't know how many of you rush through that verse. I struggle to rush through that verse every single time. Because it doesn't say put up with trials. It doesn't say you'll get through trials. It says consider it pure joy or consider it all joy, some other versions say. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you may mature and be, be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God wants us to persevere, to finish the race, so that we'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything at all in our lives. This process can be a costly one, and there are many potential problems along the way. Early church members face all kinds of ridicule and persecution and would occasionally lead to death. At, at distinct times in the, in the church's history, it wasn't occasionally, it was regularly. Nowadays, I can't say that we fear death in our country. Well, not from being a Christian. 
It's not a, a, something that hangs over our, our head in that way. But there is the potential there to experience ridicule, bullying, because of our faith in Christ. And Christ actually told us not to expect anything less. Because you follow me, because you know me, you will know trials, you will know hardships. And also, don't forget, because we are aligned with Christ, it also makes us uh, an enemy of Satan. There are powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places opposed to our faith. And as in the face of both earthly and eternal enemies that the Lord would remind us to fear not. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 5.11, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, that becomes the key for that verse. Because it says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of bad stuff about you. Now, if that's because you've done something silly, maybe you've sped and people sort of go, I'm going I'm to make fun of you or, or you've done something silly and, and spent too much money or you've got in debt and, and people sort of, they say bad things about you because of what you've done wrong. The Bible's not saying, oh yeah, well then I'm blessed because of that. It's because when we live for Christ that we, people insult us. When people say, oh, you follow Jesus, oh, that's a silly thing to do. That's, that's, that's messed up. Well, the Bible says... In those times, we can rejoice and be glad. Fear can rob you of joy and paralyze you from moving forward into all that God has called you to. Instead of a spirit of fear, you've actually been given a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And so let's take a moment to look at those three things and how they help strengthen our faith in the the, um, presence of fear. When we look at power... um, what I'm about to tell you is, is some of the most exciting, important news that a believer can receive. Um, some of you may have heard this before. Some of you may have never realized this before. The same war word that Paul uses to encourage Timothy is also the word that Jesus gave to his disciples in Acts 1.8. And when he said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This kind of power leaves no room for fear or doubt. And you see a massive difference between the disciples, pre-Holy Spirit and post-Holy Spirit. Even though they'd seen Jesus rise from the dead, what were the disciples doing when the Holy Spirit came? They were all gathered in one room together, hiding, kind of, and and praying and going, yeah, it's great that we know Jesus and, and we're all safe here together. And then the Holy Spirit came and they just went nuts. Some of them, like Peter that day, spoke in front of the crowds and 3,000 came to Christ. They were no longer hiding. Peter had, had only changed because the power of the Holy Spirit had come upon him. And we see the church explode from that point. Even when persecution came, what happened? They walked, as they were walking away from Jerusalem, leaving their homes behind, they told people about Jesus. And the known world came to know Jesus as well. When a believer has the Holy Spirit working in and through them, there is nothing that cannot be accomplished in accordance to the will of God. And not to mention what we see in Romans 8.11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. If you are experiencing unhealthy fear that is hindering you from experiencing the life that Christ has destined you to live, 
then remember you were given a spirit of power, miracle miracle working, death defying, grave robbing power in Christ to do all the things in in accordance with the will of God. Now, okay, I can actually pick a fear that most Christians have. Um, Some of us are probably fine with facing death. We're probably fine sort of doing other things. This is the fear a lot of us have. Can I tell you about Jesus Christ? Anyone got that fear? We, we, we don't, we, we've got this amazing message. We've got this amazing master and our mouths just shut because we're worried about every single thing that, that could happen. Now, is that an unhealthy fear? Because what we are doing, we go up to someone, we might love them to death and we are doing nothing to stop that. We are doing nothing that will prevent them from going to hell because we're afraid of, of what they possibly could say to us. Now, in our culture, probably the worst thing that will happen, oh, maybe not the worst, but if, if they are your friend, they already know that you, there's something different about you if you are living for Christ. Some of them may, may know you, you're a Christian, so they're probably waiting for you to bring it up at some point in time anyway. So the worst thing that's going to happen, they might look at you funny. That's probably the worst. Now, if you go up to a complete stranger who you don't know, they might sort of get grumpy. You don't want to hear any of this rubbish and they might go a little bit nuts at you. But if they are someone who's already your friend, who you already care about and they care about you, the worst thing that's going to happen is, is an eye roll. I'm looking at you sideways, a bit weird, going, why'd you pick now of all times to bring that up? Now, if that's the worst thing that's going to happen, why are we afraid to tell people about Jesus? Don't we believe it is something that can change their lives? And this is the thing, when we have the power of God, we should be walking in that. We should also be walking in the spirit of love. The book of 1 John uh, in verses four, chapter 4, verse 18, uses the same word that Paul used when he tells Timothy that he has a spirit of love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. When we walk in the spirit of love as Christ did, unhealthy fear is driven away from us. Jesus walked to the cross in a spirit of love and we can assume that he walked out of the grave in that same empowered spirit. Don't forget this. This is the same spirit that is alive in us. The next time that you're experiencing fear of, 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 or any of its associates like anxiety or worry or doubt, then make sure that you are walking in a spirit of love. Know God's love for yourself. And know the love that God wants to show through you. And now we'll look at self-discipline. How many in this room struggle with, with self-discipline? Oh, wow, we've got honesty everywhere today. It's good. Good honesty at the start of the year. Um, how many of you have struggled already today? Anyone eaten anything you shouldn't have? Um, slept longer than you shouldn't have? Um, sort of, it, it just starts like, speaking of self-discipline, There'll be probably plenty of morning tea out there. Please don't be self-disciplined out there, okay? Because otherwise it's, it's all going to go home with someone and, and they've got to eat it all up and you'll, you'll wreck their self-discipline. But you are in good company when you struggle with self-discipline or maybe you're just an, an expected company. Maybe it's not good company. And I have good news to share with you. It takes a lot of discipline to recognise fear and deal with it appropriately. It is simply easier to let it go and shrug it off and call it a fact of life and I think this is where a lot of us kind of live with fear we actually don't even recognize it as fear but if we kind of got down to the the brass tacks of things and we went you know what 
the reason I don't do this thing that God wants me to do is I'm afraid. I might have a whole lot of excuses why not. I might go, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Um, life is just not the right time in my life to be doing that. Uh, I, God, um, I'm not equipped to do that. Like when you, you look at Moses' response to God when God called him, every single one of those was based out of fear. Now, he doesn't ever say, I'm afraid. He says, I can't talk. There's someone better. Like you need to get someone else. But he was afraid. And I think this is what we do. We, we, we have fear in our lives about being obedient to God and we call it something else. And, and so we, we kind of just shrug it off and call it a fact of life. Nothing's going to change. But Paul wraps up um, his encouragement to, to Timothy um, by reminding him that he's been given a spirit of self-discipline along with the other two. We need discipline to take time take the time necessary to accurately diagnose the fear we are experiencing and even more to discipline to deal with it. In 2 Corinthians 10.5 it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See how the act, there is an action in the, We actually take our thoughts captive that are going against what God wants us to do. And so whether that is fear, whether that we're calling it another excuse, we are active in the process of grabbing a hold of that and saying, God, I'm going to give this to you and you need to change this. Isn't it just like God to give us exactly what we need? So as we wrap up today, we need power and love and self-discipline to help us overcome unhealthy fear in our lives. We desperately need the discipline to check ourselves throughout the day. We need the discipline to form new habits in identifying healthy from an unhealthy fear. And we need abundant power in, and love in our responses. Thankfully, thankfully, through Christ, we have been given a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And so this week, the challenge for us is, is straightforward. When you begin to feel fear, when you are hesitant to be obedient to God, which fear may be underlying, Pray for the Lord to keep you walking in a spirit of power and love all while trusting through the Holy Spirit so you can break through in the area of self-discipline. Learning to recognize fear is an important step in dealing with it and learning to deal with it will help you keep moving down a path that God has for your life. I think, that, I think that's for some of us, that's what we're afraid of. We're afraid of being obedient to God because we don't know where it ends up and God is in, in, in all his wisdom won't tell us. He won't tell us where the end of the journey is. Psalm 119 makes that clear that he is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. He doesn't sort of say, here is the end destination. He said, this is, this is the journey that we are taking. But he is a God that we can trust. I know that. I, I, last year has proved that time and time again, that he is a God that we can trust. So today, let's take some time to pray together. Pray that we would, we would know where unhealthy fear is, is holding us back. Pray that we can, we can walk in the power of the Spirit and overcome that and that we would be obedient to God in His command to fear not. Let's just pray. Well, today as we, we gather in this place, I don't know what the hearts of everyone in this place are, but you do, Lord, and I pray that you would make it obvious to all of us the areas which we are afraid to move forward maybe afraid to let go of something that we're holding on from our past, maybe afraid to take a new step in, in the journey we have for you. Maybe we're afraid to even let go of our sin because we, we don't, don't know what we are without that. 
Maybe we're afraid to let go of a job that is holding us back. Maybe we're afraid of, of, of being obedient to you and the plans that you have for us. Whatever our fear is, Lord, today, I pray that you would help us to acknowledge that. And in so doing, Lord, we would be able to, to know your spirit in our life and we'd be able to be obedient to you as we walk in, in obedience to the God who has brought us through so much. We pray this in your name. Amen.